think my batteries are going, Brother Will. Good. Okay. Well, amen. Thank you, Brother, for that. What a blessing it has been to be with you all day today. It's been good to be in the house of the Lord today. Amen. I've told you before, and um, I'm going to keep telling you. I believe you ought to be able to enjoy church, not endure church. And today I've enjoyed being with the people of God. Man, there's been such a sweet spirit in this place, not just today, um, but today especially. And I'm so thankful for that. God has blessed us with his manifest presence, and for that we praise him. Today we're talking about the truth concerning the truth. The truth about the truth is the title of my message today. And if you remember this morning, our text came from John chapter 18, verses 28 through 38. And we primarily spoke on one verse, one statement, one question that was posed by Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor of that time. He asked the Lord Jesus, what is truth? And we said that is probably the greatest question that could have been asked. That we need, that's the question we need to ask ourselves and answer for ourselves. What is truth? What, what do we believe to be truth? Because, listen to me folks, by that question... Everything else is dictated in my life. Everything else. That one question, how we answered it, listen, it has eternal implications. If you believe that, say amen. amen. Folks, what we believe to be truth um, has eternal implications for what I believe to be truth determines the decision I make concerning Jesus. And the decision I make concerning Jesus certainly dictates my eternal destiny where I'm going to spend eternity. If I trust in Jesus by faith, my Bible says I can have eternal life. I'm going to get down here so I can just talk with you tonight. Amen? I'm not going to preach at you. I just want to talk with you this evening. we got some um, things that I just want to talk to you about. But um, the decision I make concerning Jesus dictates my eternal destiny. If I choose to place my faith in Christ, the Bible says I can have eternal life and dwell with Him for an eternity. Now, if I choose to reject Jesus... The Bible also says I'll be separated from Him for all eternity in a place called hell. So what I believe uh, about the truth, what I believe to be the truth has eternal implications. It also, we said this morning, has worldly implications. What I believe to be truth governs the decisions that I make day by day. And the decisions I make day by day will ultimately determine my direction, where I end up. What kind of man I will ultimately be? What kind of father I'll be? What kind of husband I'll be? What kind of church member I'll be? What kind of employee I'll be? It really determines everything. What I determine to be truth. What I believe to be truth. It has eternal implications. It has um, worldly implications. Listen, it has a great deal to do with what happens in the present. Can you say amen to that? But it also has a great deal to do with what will happen in the future. Let me tell you what I mean by that statement. Parents, I want you to especially hear this. How many of you know what I teach my children about the truth certainly has a great deal to do with today? Amen? But I also know what I teach my children concerning the absolute truth of who God is and what His Word says. They will also teach their children. And so not only does it have a great deal to do with today, their lives today, but also with the world tomorrow. And so we, this question, what is truth? It's probably the most important question we could ask or answer for ourselves. Now, this morning I made the declaration to you that I believe God's word to be the absolute truth. If you believe that tonight, say amen. 
I believe God's word to be his truth for all mankind, whomever you are, wherever you are, wherever you came from, whatever you or the culture you were brought up in, whatever religion you believe in. I don't care who you are, where you came from or what you believe. God's word is truth for you. Whether you choose to believe it or not to believe it really has, is, no, is of no consequence. God's word is truth. I said this morning, I'll tell you again, um, God's word is not truth because I believe it. I believe it because it's truth. Amen. I need to get a hold of that. I believe God's word to be real. It's not just stories in a book, but it's truth I can build my life on. I should. Truth I should build my life on. I believe God's word is relevant. God's word, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12, speaking of itself, the Bible says this, the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Now that word quick in Hebrews 4 and 12, it, is, it means alive. So let's, let's think of it like that. God's word is alive and it's powerful. Now what does it mean when, God's, when it says God's word is alive? It doesn't mean that God's word is always changing because we know God's word remains the same. See, we have the complete word of God in the 66 books we have in the Old and New Testament. It's not changing. We don't need any further revelation of who God is. But when we say God's word is alive, what I mean by that is it's relevant for you today. It's just as relevant for the problems that you face today as it was the day it was written thousands of years ago. So I believe God's word to be his absolute truth. I believe God's word to be real. I believe God's word to be relevant for each and for every one of us. Now then, how do we know? How do we know God's word is God's truth, is truth? How do you know that? Have you ever heard, had someone say to you, I had a man say to me uh, years ago on a mission trip, we were just going door to door witnessing and I came up on this gentleman and, and, and I was sharing with him from my Bible. I said, brother, can I share some scripture with you? He said, sure, you can share some scripture with me. So I got my Bible out, started flipping through and talking to him about the gospel sharing with him about who Jesus is and why we need him. And he stopped me in the middle of that. He said, well, first of all, I'm not sure I believe the Bible. I believe the Bible was made up by men, uh, uh, and listen, was written down by men, has been changed over time to fit men's desires. How do we know any different? I think that's a question we need to be asking. I think that's a question we need to answer. Let me tell you why I say this, because we've got young people all over this church. Young people that will soon be going off to college, and they're going to be sitting in a liberal professor's class that's got a string of letters behind his name. He couldn't hit his feet with both hands, but he's going to tell them, listen to me, that God's word is not truth. He's going to try to try and challenge everything they believe concerning their faith in Christ. He's going to challenge everything we've tried to teach them as we've brought them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And so we need to start giving some answers to some hard questions. We need to start giving them something 
that they can fall back on and know God's word is truth. Amen? Amen? So how do we know? Tonight, I want to talk about some of that. Um, first thing that I want us to look at is the authenticity of Scripture. How do we know the Scripture to be authentic? Well, um, let me first of all say this to you. There is more evidence for the Bible's authenticity than any other ancient book. You need to know that. When you start looking at a document from centuries ago, um, there's a, several different criteria that is used to determine whether or not that document is authentic. I mean, it goes through a lot of different tests. And the Bible passes all of them with flying colors. How do we know it's authentic? I want to look at two things tonight. First of all, the manuscripts and then the message. Okay? The manuscripts. Let's talk about them just a little bit. But first of all, I want us to look at all the criteria used for determining whether a document is authentic or not. First of all, does it line up with what we know to have happened in history? When you start looking at an ancient document, it is cross-referenced with other historical documents to make sure what's being said actually took place. For if what's being said didn't actually take place, we know it's not real. We know it's not relevant. Can you say amen? But now that's, what, that's the scrutiny the Bible was held to. The, the manuscripts that we have for the Old and New Testament was held up to other historical documents. And folks, it passed with flying colors. As a matter of fact, let's just take one um, instance in Scripture. One very big um, um, happening in Scripture. The resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Do you know the resurrection of the Lord Jesus is not just recorded in the Bible? The Bible says that Jesus rose again the third day on that first Easter morning. And it also says that the graves around Jerusalem burst open and dead people came up out of the graves and walked around. Now that's in the Bible and we can understand that being in the Bible because the Bible is a book about Jesus. Can you say amen? It's all about the resurrection. As a matter of fact, the truth of the Bible hinges on the resurrection. The truth of our faith hinges on the resurrection. If the resurrection isn't true, then we have no hope. So I would expect that to be in the Bible. But you know that there's also seven other historical accounts of the resurrection actually taking place? Of Jesus being seen after he died on the cross? Seven other historical accounts that people did get up out of the grave and walk around in the city of Jerusalem on that first Easter. Wow. It's not just that the Bible says that, but we have other historical records that say that. Other historical records, listen to me now, that were completely against Jesus. Written by Jewish people who wanted nothing to do with Jesus at the time. Amen. That's a big deal. Secondly, the claims that a document makes are evaluated and analyzed as a legal case would be evaluated and, and, and analyzed. Now, let me tell you what makes the Bible so special. We have eyewitness accounts, some of them written not 20 to 30 years after Jesus died of actually what took place in the ministry of Jesus. Do you know Matthew is an eyewitness account of a man who walked with Jesus and saw just what took place? Do you know the book of John is an eyewitness account 
of what happened when Jesus walked upon this earth in his ministry? Now, Brother Scotty, let me ask you something. You're an investigator. You know what uh, it takes to investigate a case the right way and to build a case. How important is eyewitness testimony? Very important. Matter of fact, I would say that's probably the most important thing. If you have an eyewitness to something that has taken place. Well, certainly. Do you know we have that with the Bible? With the Gospel of John, with the Gospel of Matthew, we have 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John that tells us about Jesus. We have 1st and 2nd Peter of men who walked with Jesus. The book of Mark is the account of Peter written down by John Mark, his accomplice. Eyewitness accounts of what happened in the life of Christ. It passes the second test with flying colors. Let me give you the third one. The number of manuscripts that exist. Now in that day, if you had a document that you wanted to keep, they didn't have the luxury of going to the Xerox and making a copy. So what they did, they, they, they became a scribe. And they would copy down the letter that had been written. So whether you're looking at the Gospel of John or some of the writings of Paul, they would make manuscripts just like the original to... Um, Make sure that manuscript was not lost, that they had it. Now, I want you to think about this. The Bible, the New Testament itself, has 20,000 manuscripts, the earliest of which was copied not a 100 years from the original. 20,000 manuscripts that we can look to and say, hey, this is what was copied from the original letters. And it wouldn't, it wouldn't even a hundred years from the original that it was copied. That's a very big deal. Let me tell you how big it is. And when we compare it to other manuscripts that were written around the same time. Now the New Testament we know was written in the first century A.D. Uh, the Caesar's Gaelic Wars. Has anybody ever heard of Caesar's Gaelic War, Wars? It was a... Um, an account of the conquest of the Roman army. Uh, it was written probably around 1st century B.C. Now, the Bible has 20,000 manuscripts in existence around the, that, the time that it was written. Caesar's Gaelic Wars only has 10 manuscripts in existence. Only 10. The earliest of which was copied 1,000 years after the original. Now then... What about Aristotle's Poetics? A group, a, a collection of poems by Aristotle himself. What is that? Well, uh, that is only has five manuscripts in existence. It was written around 4,000 uh, B.C., or excuse me, 400 B.C., and it was the earliest known copy that was made was copied 1,400 years after the original. Now let me ask you something, folks. Nobody ever questions the validity of Caesar's Gaelic Wars or Aristotle's Poetics. Nobody ever questions that. Why? Why do they always question the Bible, even though the Bible has three, four, five, six times more evidence concerning the validity of the Bible itself? So, so why do we always question the Bible? Why are people always coming against the Word of God? I'll tell you why. Because if you believe the Bible to be true, guess what? You've got to do something with the Bible. You've got to do something with the Jesus of the Bible. You've got to deal with your sin. Amen? So if we can continually discredit everything the Bible says, then that's exactly what prideful human beings want to do. And that's exactly what's taking place. The Bible is authentic by the physical evidence that we have in the manuscripts. 
Not only do we need to look at the manuscript to see the authenticity of Scripture, but we also need to look at the message. The message. The unity in the message of Scripture. Let me read to you something that Ken Ham wrote from the Answers in Genesis Foundation. He said the Bible is unlike any other religious book. Despite 40 authors of 66 books writing from three continents who wrote in three different languages over nearly 2,000 years, <laughs> it maintains a perfect consistency of message. Isn't that the truth? You go back and you look in the Bible, and you're going to see a thread of redemption that runs from Genesis all the way through Revelation. You're going to see Jesus in every book, if you look. If you look with open eyes, if you look objectively, if you look honestly, you're going to see Jesus everywhere. Everything from Genesis to Malachi points to the coming Christ. Everything from Matthew through Revelation, listen, talks about what Jesus has done, what the church is, and what will happen throughout all eternity. It's all about Jesus from Genesis to Revelation. There is a complete, consistent message. Its words point unerringly to Christ whose work on the cross was ordained by God, the true author of the Bible before the world began. It was written, what, I love this, it was written by shepherds, kings, scholars, fishermen, prophets, a military general, a cupbearer, and a priest all penned the Bible, but all of it has a consistent message. Now folks, if you think that's just a coincidence, you've got a whole lot more faith than what it takes to become a Christian. You really do. There's no way that could happen by coincidence. 66 different books with 40 different authors. Come on now. We need to get real. We know the Bible to be authentic because of its manuscripts, the physical evidence that we have, and because of its message. It's all about Jesus. Amen? Wow. I'm so thankful for the Bible. I love the Bible. The Bible makes all the difference. Without the Bible, we don't have anything. Without the Bible, we don't have hope. Not only do I want you to think about the unity in the message, but the undying nature of the Bible itself. The Bible has been tried, it's been tried to be destroyed ever since it's been here. Nero tried to destroy it thousands of years ago. More recently, Hitler tried to destroy it, but guess what? Nero and Hitler have both long since been dead, and the Bible is still the greatest selling book in the history of mankind. It stood the test of time, and it will continually stand the test of time. Jesus said himself, it would be easier for heaven and earth to pass away than for one jot or tittle of God's word to fail. God's word remains. When heaven and earth are on, uh, uh, passed away, God's word remains. 2 Timothy chapter 3. There's a reason for all this. Everybody take your Bibles and turn over there just a moment. How is it possible that there's a continual unity, consistency in the message of the Bible? How is it possible that there's an undying nature of the Bible? 2 Timothy tells us, Paul writing to Timothy says something that we all need to take note of. 2 Timothy chapter number 3. Watch this. Verse number 16. The Bible says all Scripture 
is given by inspiration of God. Do you see that? And it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. How is it possible that the Bible is unified in its message and undying in its nature? Because, folks, it came from heaven itself, inspired by the Holy Spirit, written down by men. Wow. That's the Bible you hold in your hand. It came straight from heaven. I had a man tell me one time, and I believe it, Brother Kitty Cantrell. I love that brother. He went on to be with the Lord now, but so thankful for him. He was a good friend to me, good brother. He had always said, Brother Israel, I don't take, I, I wouldn't take the Bible any more seriously, any more authoritatively, if Jesus himself was standing before me speaking the words. I wouldn't either. God's word is truth. We have evidence, mountains of evidence. That lets us know that. See, your faith in the Word of God is not a leap in the dark. That's what a lot of people believe faith to be. Your faith in the Word of God is based upon fact. Eyewitness testimony that have been given concerning Jesus. Wow, it's amazing. I also want you tonight to think about the authority of Scripture. Not just the authenticity, but the authority. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse number 17, we read it this morning, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. Let me tell you what I did, folks. I heard the message of the gospel. And the message of that gospel convicted my heart. Listen, the Holy Spirit of God began drawing me unto himself, showing me my need for a Savior because of the message that I heard straight from God's word. When I trusted in what God's word says, that Jesus has done for me what needs to be done, guess what happened? My life was changed. Peace came when I had no peace. Joy came when I knew no joy, and it hadn't left since. Amen? Let me tell you why. God's word has authority. God's word brings faith to the hearer that changes your heart, changes your mind, and allows you to see clearly what God wants you to see. Think about the things the Bible knew before science knew it. You ever thought about that? For thousands of years, scientists believed the earth to be flat. There is a movement now of people who still believe the earth to be flat. Do you know that? We actually have pictures from outer space, from the satellites we have in outer space, we have real-time pictures of the earth that you can pull up right now and look at. And people still, after seeing that round globe, believed the earth to be flat. They believed it for thousands of years. Do you know thousands of years before men understood the earth was round, that the Bible already said it in the book of Isaiah? The book of Isaiah said there was a curve to the earth. God knew it was round because he created it. And he put it down in his precious word. I want you to think about um, what we know today concerning um, cleanliness. Do you know that the Bible knew that long before mankind ever knew it? Go back and look at the, the ceremonial cleansing that the Jewish people had to do at their feasts. 
Go back and look at how God said certain things were clean and certain animals were unclean. You know why God did that? For the protection of his people. The pagan nations knew nothing about what was clean and unclean, what would cause them harm and what wouldn't cause them harm. And the Jewish nation didn't know it either. But God gave it to them because they was his chosen people and he loved them. The Bible knew all that before man ever knew it. There's a great quote, and I can't remember who said it. Scientists one day will climb the mountain of knowledge, and when they get to the top, they're going to see that a theologian is already there. Why? Because truth is contained in the Word of God. Quit trying to discredit it. Don't try and doubt it. Listen, just believe it. It's God's Word to you. It has authority. Now let me say this, though. There is hope for the honest doubter. Let me encourage you to do this. Bring your doubts to the Bible and objectively look for yourself. It's deep enough for the greatest minds of history to swim in, yet shallow enough for the smallest child to play in. It truly is. Take God's Word and read it for yourself. Why am I preaching this message to you? Well, Leonard Ravenhill said this, one man can read the Bible, but thousands of men read your lives. (laughs) I want you to know God's word is truth. I want you to take the truth you get from the word of God and apply it unto yourself. I want you to apply it so much so that it changes how you live day by day. And when it changes how you live day by day, then people at your workplace, people at your home, people at your school, people at the grocery store are going to see a difference in you and want what you have. The Bible changes your lives, my life, when we take it and apply it unto ourselves. Amen. Aren't you thankful for God's Word? You want direction? Look to the Word of God. You want to know what to do and when to do it? Look to the Word of God. You want answers? Look to the Word of God. God's not hiding from you. Get in there and see it for yourself. That's all I've got tonight. Anybody got any comments, questions before we close? It holds up to the scrutiny that's placed against it by the evidence that we know to be true. Amen? Some of the greatest evidences of the Word of God being true is the evidence of changed lives.